I'm kind of, I'm kind of over this, Matt. Kind of, I'm kind of ready to, and I, I fucking hate people, but I'm kind of ready to go out and sit in a bar, you know. I, I hear you. How we doing, Daryl? Uh, how, how's terrible sound? Hard <laughs> for the course. Um, yeah, that's a, such a loaded fucking question in 2021. How you doing? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm miserable. I've been stuck in my house for a year. Welcome to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. So uh, I'm Big D, Daryl, and uh, I'm actually hosting this show. And, you know, it's like the rest of the world. We're uh, remote. I can see in my screen, I can see Matt in Agawam, and I can see Joe in outer space somewhere. <laughs> he likes those backgrounds. But I do happen to know he's on the left coast. So I'm here in miserable, miserable Northampton and Amherst, where it's slushy and it's raining. And even though it's like uh, 36, 37, 38, it's slightly slippery and uh, yuck. And that's the way I feel today. Yuck. So there you go. Daryl, you continually I'm, make... I'm going home and I'm lying down and I'm not moving the rest of Saturday. You continually make fun of the West Coast. I was outside in shorts and a hoodie the other day working on the Jeep. So uh, you can poke fun all you want, but it was yeah, glorious but, half the week. Yeah, but you don't, you don't have enough... You don't have enough energy. I can't even get you on the meter. Your voice is so weak. Oh, hang on. Let me. You, you got to get out. You got to. You got to get braced by the cold. You it gotta, is. It is six twelve in the morning. You're lucky I can even. You know, that. I have to, Matt. We really have to give Joe, uh, you know, a heads up. I don't think he's an early morning person, and since he's the one that ends up putting this on the podcast, he's got to get it and, and originating the Zoom call. He's got to do that in the dark. You know, <laughs> before his normal uh waking time so yeah, I, 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 gotta to say, I mean I, i'm i'm the one with two little kids here and, and joe's almost you're you're a better morning person than i am i'm on my third cup of coffee i'm still struggling to get through <laughs> well i'll tell you what this doing this getting up to do this has completely disrupted my like i i go i go to bed at eight o'clock every night now because i can't i can't just do this one day a week so you know once you get start getting up at five in the morning i'm i'm honestly now up between 4:30 and 5:30 every morning which no which way. is which is fine i mean it's absolutely fine we're all on our own schedules here the right 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 cuz like what day is it well i i i heard myself say saturday so it's probably saturday but it could be tuesday <laughs> then and honestly you know? i i really i got to thank you guys because this should doing this show every Saturday. I'm not joking here. This is the only grounding thing I have in my life right now. Everything yeah. else is so nebulous and confusing and, and undefined and up in the air. And this is so honestly, thank God for you two guys. I really do. Well, this really does you know, speaking. Matt and I both have the blessing and curse of being a teacher. The curse this year is, is remote is really hard. We know it's not the school's faults. So we know it's, you know, it's just what, what it is. But man, Matt, we just got laid on by the state and we have to increase the time that each kid is in front of us, the mm -hmm. teacher, the whole class to three and a half hours a day, 210 minutes. And then on top of that, you throw the uh, special um, and, and uh, no, two hours and 45 minutes. That's right. It's, it, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, and then, um, and then we have to have our, our office hours for uh, an hour and a half 
every day. And, and, we're five, and I'm talking five days a week now. Wow. Because uh, they sort of took the lighter Wednesday away from us. It's it, it, tough. I mean, it, it's hard as I, cause I come at this as, as, you know, as a parent uh, and as going through it as a teacher and, and our whole thing, my wife's a teacher too. So, um, and now my son's preschool, um, which is controlled, it, it's state run. Um, but now they're remote. So now I've got a, a remote kindergartner. I've got a remote preschooler. Um, and I have to be on the computer. My wife has to be on the computer and it, 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 there's no right answer for any of this remote stuff right now. I mean, the right answer is look, kids are back in school, um, every, full time and, and as our teachers, but that's just not, that's not really a, a, an option at the moment. So no, Massachusetts is, um, kind of getting in the red zone. Oh, so, we, um, I believe we're, we're high severe risk. Um, but you know, it's, there, there's no way. I think if, if we're being honest and, and we're kind of calling a spade a spade here, I think everybody, everybody, parents, kids, students, teachers, everybody, we're all doing the best that we possibly can, but we're also being tasked with doing something uh, that we're, we're putting a, a round peg in a square hole. Uh, it, it you know, and for me, I, I feel sorry for myself, but then I hear people like you, Matt, and I have some parents like that too, five kids all on meets, both parents having uh, COVID, you know, and that's like, no, I can't complain. <laughs> right. I mean, just managing the technology that you have at home for two. Oh two, my gosh. And then, and then the you... computer quits. Yeah. Right, right. That's if you can afford stuff that works well. And if you can afford multiple computers, my, my sister and her, and my brother-in-law are in the same situation. They've got two, you know, uh, you know, middle school, high school kids, and they're both teachers as well. So fortunately they have old laptops for everybody. They've got computers spread around the house, but not every family is that privileged. And I can't, no. my, my question is to, to both of you has, your feelings about whether or not you should be in in-person learning changed since this all started and well you don't want to you don't want to ask me that because if i had to be in person this year i would have had to re retire because of you know my pre-existing conditions i couldn't have been in person but and then uh, the on the other side this year has been so miserable that i'm going to go another year so just to be in the room so I can go out remembering what it was like, yeah, what kids were like when you could hug them and see them and you can tell who's struggling and who needs to be pushed and who needs to be left alone. Good for you, Daryl. Uh, good yeah. for you. Yeah, that's yeah, good. I mean, you want to get that bad, that bad taste out of your mouth. And then, Matt, before I get your answer, I just, uh, so my second part to the question is, at what point? Two part questions two, are way too hard. Man. <laughs> way too hard. Well, we let you answer one at a time. So, the uh, the the young and sprightly of mine. Yeah, okay. Honesty. Yeah, Mac can handle yeah, both of them. Right. I need my number one and now number two. Well, be careful because I'm about to forget what the second part of the question is. <laughs> so my my question is: At what point do you, as both, and again, this is maybe split into two further questions because there's an answer for you, Matt, as a parent and as an educator, but at what point do you just acknowledge that 
you're go, you're not the academic games that you would normally get in the school year. You're just not going to get them, whether it's for attention reasons or technology reasons or just sheer number of hours reasons. It, you're just not going to get that. So, at what point do you have to just sort of say, okay, let's emphasize? Like, wouldn't you rather be teaching your kids how to cook? or fix the lawnmower or change the oil in the car riding a bike yeah then sticking them in front of a screen for three and a half hours a day Uh, yes um you know it's it's easy uh, to answer that question in hindsight and after experiencing how remote teaching looked last year versus how it looks this year is, is totally different i mean last year we really i can speak for my district and and the district my wife works in, we really only had to be in person, you know, once or twice a week. Me personally, as a specialist, I did not have to host any live meets. I had to post, uh, you know, a certain amount of activities per week. Um, this year, obviously, now we're we're live all day. I think they could have been more creative, Joe. I like your idea of sort of thinking outside the box of what remote school could have looked like. But I also think schools should have and could have, and and some did, do everything possible to get kids in school. I mean, I look at my district. We've been hybrid pretty much since the beginning of the year. Um, So we've had kids in person. Um, it's less than ideal, but we've had kids in school. I look at my wife's district. They've only been in school one week this entire year. And we were having the conversation um, the other night at dinner. So because they've at least been consistent with their model of education, their kids are probably, and I'm using air quotes, further along in the curriculum than my son is being hybrid, remote, all in, hybrid, remote, all in, right? right? right, So he's not as far along in his curriculum. But I said to my wife, you realize eventually this year you are going to have kids in front of you and you are going to be back in September. And essentially what you've advanced in your curriculum is going to be for nothing. A, you don't really know what kids have grasped and the, the, she's kindergarten by the way so let me preface like kindergarten these kids have never been in school they are going to need to look you we you teach kindergartners how to walk in a line quietly you teach kindergartners how to take turns in a bathroom you teach you have to teach kindergartners how to wash their hands how to use a water fountain how to transition to lunch how to eat lunch independently all these things that kindergartners learn in school the first month of school in September, you're now going to be doing in in March. And it's not so much this year, but in two, three years, unfortunately, these kids who are in young grades now, you know, K through two, Daryl, and you're a second grade teacher. um, Again, we're all doing the best we can, but I don't know if it's enough for. No, but, uh, but you know what? Kids are going to catch up. This is a down year. And I'm so disappointed in the Mass DESE, um, the education department, because it's like, so Belchertown started off with the school committee saying, we don't want um, our kids, especially the younger ones, in front of the computer more than two and a half hours a day. Eh, So fine, 
you know, that included an, an occasional special. That was very workable, reasonable. And then uh, Mass Desi just said, nope, it's got to be three and a half hours, full contact, full class, not individual groups like I was doing. And, uh, and then the teacher also has to be available for an hour and a half um, office hours so that, you know, basically so that we work our job. Well, believe me, we are working our job. <sighs> I mean, I spend so much time at night and on the weekend. And, and, you know, and the thing is, I have nice computers, but I still screw them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you, so yeah. you're supposed to manage 20 something second graders on a Zoom call. Now. I, got, I just had oh, two God. Well, and well, at least, you know, at, you know, hopefully your second graders aren't going to be coming to office hours too much. Like I, well, know. no, they do. They do. And, and honestly, it's good. It's tiring. It's good though. They well, do. at least then, at least you get some one-on-one -on -one time with them. Right. Which, right. Yeah. And it's, and, the, and a lot of the, I mean, not all the kids that need to come, come, but, but, you know, some of them do. Well, they're going to be exhausted after three, three hours oh. plus on the, uh, that's just, uh, it's a lot. It's such a tough year, but so what, let it go. This is what it is. You know, it's like MCAS scores are going to go down. Right. Wow. And you know, like what the thing you always hear this, oh, well, they're losing ground. Who are they losing ground they're, to? Yeah, every, they're every, not losing ground. Every, kids are so smart. And well, everywhere they're gonna, else, they're going to be fine. Everywhere else in the world has, has been on lockdown for nine months. So everywhere right, else in the right, world is right. suffering the same. Oh, they're losing to the Chinese. Well, the Chinese sur surpassed this a couple decades ago, anyway. So, uh, well, we helped them out a lot these last yeah. four years. Yeah, we did. That's 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 a lost race. Um, so, actually, let's can we move on to slightly happier things? And I I can't believe. Wait a minute, would that be sports? No, no, not not yet. <laughs> no, because no. In, in this respect, can we get? Can we at least? Get into sports in the last five minutes of the There's show. There's a lot of sports. There's a lot. Yeah, of sports. yeah, yeah. Lot yeah of we, sports, yeah, we could, we could have done the whole hour on sports, but just, just quickly, <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to say, just hearing the the proposal for the COVID relief bill, there's, there's a whole different, you know, for the last basically. 16 years other than one span of two years when Obama had both houses and still couldn't get anything done. Th this is the well, first time health insurance. Right. But this is the first time we've really had a situation where they propose this legislation and there's not going to be a million hours of back and forth. There's not going to be this big debate. About, Can we get three Republicans to flip? It's going to pass pretty much. Well, now I can't, you can't be totally that confident, but you're no, you're basically right. Um, but it is razor thin. So right. if Joe Manchin doesn't want to spend the money. All of a sudden, you know, you're in another situation. So, but, but I agree. And the thing is, and here's where I'd like to, like I did last week, I'd like to call out the Atlanta dream and um, just say, like, and you know, you guys know, I love basketball. And what I love about basketball is that they're outspoken. The NBA is outspoken, but really the WNBA has led the way. Yeah. They have been the most outspoken athletes in the world. And so Kelly Loeffler, who was one of the uh, Republican Senate candidates in Georgia, is a, a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. And she went bananas when the Black Lives Matters went on the shirts and on the courts and all that. And she criticized the league and her own team. And her team got really upset. And they started, they, they decided that they would interview Warnack. So they spent some time real early in the race, like I think March, um, you know, talking to him a lot. 
getting a sense of who he was and they liked what they heard. And all of a sudden they created these elect Warnock shirts and started wearing them on their warm-up uh, things. So they're, they're campaigning for the opponent of their owner. Um, and they had a lot to do with with him getting a good start, it's, getting some recognition. It's not outrageous to say that they that their efforts tipped those two elections. It's that's and, not out of the right, question and, to say and, that. And you're right, Joe. That that and it was a surprise. I was not expecting it. No, and, me, and yeah, me. To yeah. have the chance of passing legislation, positive legislation, and maybe on an, a bipartisan uh, thing. You know, yeah. that's that's a very hopeful. Yeah. And her, her losing that, that, that was one of the kind of sweet takeaways from, from this whole last few months like that, that was sort of some, some karma for every evil thing she had done. So I, I, I'm totally with you on that. I, if we can, if we can stay in politics and get a little depressing just for another quick minute, cause I, I want to mention this. Oh, because, I got a good one there too. So yeah, go ahead. Well, this, so the, the, um, this, this is an event from, from American history past where uh, there were some soldiers guarding a government building and a, a protest that turned into a riot and uh, five, five people ended up dead. And we call this the Boston massacre now, hundreds of years later. So I wonder what is last two Wednesdays ago going to be known as, I mean, cause six people died there. So what my point is that, it was a bloodier event than something that is now known as the the Boston Massacre. Is this is this going to be this big a, a day in history, two hundred and fifty years from now? If yes, if they, yes, oh. yes, it, yes, it will. I think and, it sorry. will be. Yeah, when, Matt. Let me just barge in a second. So, yes, and the thing that so here's my bad thing. So you know the the house is overrun in in a just distressing way. Um, and so all these senators and, and Congress people are locked down in a small room for several hours, and some people aren't wearing masks and yeah. are offered masks and given masks, and they just, yeah, 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 no thanks, you know. And and now people that were in that room are coming down with COVID. And and let's let's be clear. All those people who refuse masks were Republicans. And this is, goes back to something that we kind of last week, we all sort of talked in this direction. Well, look, we all just need to come to a commonality, come to a, a place where we can all move in the same direction. Uh, 45% of Republican voters supports the storming of the Capitol building. 40 that's half of republicans which means that's one out of basically between one out of four and one out of five people on the street thought that was a good thing that happened to wednesday you no know, i know we're we're not giving matt a chance at all but um <laughs> we will right now but the last thing i want to say too is you know so for this so and and republicans are more guilty of this than democrats by far the facts are facts mask help they're not perfect, but they help. Um, so, you know, and, and the election was a good election. And so the, what Republicans need to do is, you know, come out and say, listen, I tried to support our president and I got carried away. I, I shouldn't have voted against certifying the uh, election. I, and, and, that, and the fact that the election was rigged and bad 
is basically a lie. And I'm sorry that I promulgated it. And, you know, I don't think it's going to happen that much, but that's really what needs to happen. People don't trust the media. They don't trust government. They don't trust anything. Well, two things. I mean, where did you, I'm shocked by that statistic, Joe. I am, it's I'm true. Not, it's, it's true. What, it's, where it's did that same, come from? Uh, hang on. Let me pull the, uh, let me pull the article but back it, up. It's, it's just reject. It's the same thing that 50 or 60% of Republicans think that uh, Trump won the election. The poll, the articles on, in Newsweek, the poll was by yougov.org, which does a bunch of political polling. So 45% of Republican voters backed the attack on the Capitol building, while 43% said they strongly or somewhat opposed the protesters' behavior. 6% of Republicans were unsure. A further 6% said they were unaware of the events. I don't know how you're unaware of the events. <laughs> by comparison, an overwhelming majority, and this is all from the Newsweek article, by comparison, an overwhelming majority of Democratic voters, 96%, said they were strongly or somewhat opposed to the actions of pro-Trump protesters, actions that led to four deaths and at least 52 arrests. Now it's five deaths. Uh, one in five independents backed the protests. Two-thirds said they were opposed, 67%. Of all voters, 71% either strongly or somewhat opposed the actions of demonstrators. 21% said they supported the storming of the Capitol. Wow. And that is, and they were almost all Republicans. And that's where I think we've got such this disconnect that I, I you know, we, we, the, the kumbaya coming together, we're, we're past that. And I, yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, look, I'll be honest. I, I, I don't, that, that number is disheartening. I, I don't know why or how you get to a point where you're like, yeah, that was cool. Storm, storm the, the Capitol building. And, and I, I don't know how you get to that point. So I don't get it. I'll say this. Um, uh, Dale, I don't remember what it was that you said last, but I agreed with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Matt? I don't remember what I said last either. <laughs> I'll say this though. Here, here's sort of where, and there's a lot of like funny little sports things that happened this week. So maybe we'll get into it, but I, I kind of think I, I, I but personally, I think we, everybody, I think we've lost what protest means or what um, like a, a protest should be. I said this going all the way back to, to Colin Kaepernick when he was protesting I, my problem was with what his end game was going to be. Um, I'm going to do this until there's change. Personally, I, I think, and especially with today's age and social media, I, I think I'm all for protests. And I think you should be protesting to have your voice heard. Because when we, if our mindset is I'm going to protest until they they change something. Something drastic happens. We we know that you don't just snap your fingers and have change of anything, right? I'm going to protest until the election is changed. I'm going to protest until um, the the leaves come back on the tree. Like that was a bad example. <laughs> we. It, you can't protest until something changes because when it doesn't change, you you 
ramp up what your protest is. That's why we're, we're so violent. Like, I, I see it as a mindset. We, you can protest every day, but once now you have a platform to speak your argument, that should be the end of the protest. And then we have to be civil and, and we really have to listen. We can't be partisan on what I believe or what I don't believe. We have to listen to the arguments. And I, I do think that when you, you sit there and, and if your mindset is, I am going to protest until um, so-and-so gets fired, right? I'm gonna protest, I'm gonna protest until kids are back in school. How, like, right? Um, if tomorrow kids aren't back in school, my, my protest didn't work. I need to be louder. I need to be more, I need to create more damage because my, oh, the next day, next week, kids still aren't in school. Oh, I need to protest even bigger. It, it, it can't be I'm protesting until I get what I want. It's we have to protest until I want kids back in school. I'm going to stand outside of the town hall protest until the mayor has a sit down with me and listens to my arguments. Well, the mayor is the elected official. He gets to make a decision. It might not be what you like, but it's his decision. If you don't like his decision, run for public office. That's how I see like, and, and I think we've gotten away from that and just, I'm gonna protest until I see what I want. And that's why there's so much, it, it's, it's starting peaceful, but it's ramping up because I'm not getting my way. And now it's becoming violent. And, and now every protest becomes violent and windows are being broken and buildings are being burnt down and people are dying. And that's not a protest. And no, so but that's how Matt, that's how things get pushed forward. Daryl, you live through this stuff. Would I, would would we have civil the civil rights legislation that we came out of the 60s and 70s with without right. the Watts riots no. and the Newark riots? No. That, needs, that, but- that, that stuff needs to happen. And that's to, to say that we can't you, you have to do this sort of give and take. We, you it, you have to separate to what. Sorry, I'm working on calming down. Uh, we have to separate. We have to separate what Colin Kaepernick and Black Lives Matter were doing with what the the, the goals, the end game does matter. And we have this sort of agnosticism about let's evaluate everyone fairly. But the difference between Colin Kaepernick saying I'm going to take a knee until people start to pay more attention to this is far different from we're going to get louder and louder until we disrupt the, a, a free election and a governmental and change process. The election. But, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I well, agree hold, hold with on. Matt's ba- basic point of um, that you have to be realistic in your pro- protest. But Matt, I would also say that, you know, most of the protest that happened, say, around Black Lives Matter was totally appropriate. Yes, every once in a while, things got carried away. And, but those were, um, in my opinion, very infrequent and, you know, they get blown up into bigger things, but, um, I think that was good protest. And I think that it worked in the sense that so many more people understand that black lives do matter. And, and in that vein, if you say are somebody like myself, or especially someone who is black, and you watch that Wednesday riot, uh, you could yeah. not 
feel anything but that this country is a racist country because all the protesters were white. They went on for hours and hours and hours. Black Lives Matter would have been rounded up within 20 minutes. There would have been multitudes of deaths. There, um, they, and then to have these marauding criminals just walk away uh, without even being arrested, you know, that's just, that had to be very, very discouraging for a lar for anybody who really is, you know, cares about racism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it, 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 there, there, it was, it was handled differently. Um, uh, but I, I just, I think, um, and Joe, I, I understand it does need to get to a, a point, but I also, we're in 2021 and, and the, the times are different than in the 60s. And you do have a platform where if once awareness is raised to a certain issue, if you want a platform, you've got it. You can be heard by a lot of people in an instant, one click, you know? And so um, times are a little bit different than in the 60s. I, I get your point where, you know, sometimes you need to, to get to an extreme, but I don't think it, it's just a mindset of, you know, Am I protesting to get some change or to, to hear my voice, to, to be heard? And, and that's really what people want is to feel heard. When you're not felt like you're Absolutely. heard, that, that is when people escalate. And, and, uh, and that's, I, I, don't, I think in general, I think a lot of people, whether you're right or left, you, we all feel like we're not heard. I've said this before. Mm -hmm. And then well, that was Trump's genius. Trump was Trump's not elected. Trump was not elected because people thought he'd be a great politician. He he was because he heard he was elected the, because the voice of people, the people that were frustrated. He he yeah. represented what people felt wasn't working, and people feel like Washington isn't working. That people aren't heard in Washington. That there are too many, uh, you know, personal agendas, and and it's not working. That's what he got elected to do. And I, I you know, look, he's an awful person for the job but you know and so that that's my point it was just you know it, it we have to felt feel like we're heard and if we're heard we might not like the outcome but there's still again it, it, you could become an elected official if you're not liking the choices that the mayor a mayor is making uh it doesn't mean we need to bash and burn down town hall that's it Right. Well, and and you know, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that chunk of it that people want to be heard, and that was that's the the mir mir the miracle scam of American history is that Donald Trump managed to convince all these working class people that he was a populist, and then got into office and did nothing but take money away from the people that voted. And, that, for him. and that's been uh, replicated in Europe and around yeah. the world that that populists um, are you know getting a lot of power. So. You know what? Honestly, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, oh, man. If we um, if we make it, guys, really, I'm I'm no no. All joking aside, just be stay in your houses for the next week and be careful because yeah, there's yeah, well, there's a lot of stupid things that are going to happen in the next. And fortunately, you know, I'm I'm an hour from the state capital, and Portland's the biggest city, and the, I'm sure there will be something in Portland. But I feel grateful that I'm not that the capital isn't here. And, you right. know, you're, you're not that far away, but stay out of Springfield for the next 
you know. Um, so let's think, you know, so sort of segueing into sports, <laughs> basketball, who... Well, which, hold on, wait, can I make a, a different segue there, Daryl? I thought <laughs> you were going to go, go well, no, right? I thought you were going to go with Bill Belichick to segue. Oh, yeah. No, I want to I want to do that one. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well. yeah, go ahead. Do Belichick first. Because I was worried. I was really worried he was going to go there and accept How it. How could he? Let me say this, though. What did he do to deserve it? Not to not... Well, what did Rush Limbaugh... What did yeah. Rush Limbaugh do to deserve the highest honor that the government gives? Trump wants to reward loyalty. Belichick is a Trump guy. You can't back away from that, Daryl. You can say... No, no, he is. He's, that's why I thought he was going to go. Yeah, and, and so that's why I think Trump just wants to re- reward his buddies. It's what yeah. it's what the presidents do in their last few weeks in Swag. office. They they Swag. part they pardon their people. They they give right. give out prizes to other people. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I thought it was funny, but you know what, Belichick he had to make the decision that he did. He had to, and um, he he did. Do you think so? And, but don't you think he handled it well too? What I he do. Had to I say? actually. You know, we joked on our on our little text, and I was like, the only Belichick way to say it is, would be like, well, we're on to Joe Biden. Right. Um, right. You know, but, his, no, I don't think he, he handled it well. I f- think it sounded like, honestly, I'm not joking when I say it sounds like his statement was written by a bot, by a, by a computer. Well, but the thing that I appreciate, Joe, was he mentioned the reason why the, the, the January 6th riot. Well, I like think about and and look, I don't know who wrote it. And but Joe, you're right. We're so used to part of it is we're so used to Belichick not speaking with emotion. Right. And and not you know, not he's the worst. Can you imagine can you imagine being a reporter and having to go to all his press conferences? It must be torture. He he purposefully, and to his credit, he's earned the right to do he doesn't give you anything to talk about. No bulletin and board. He doesn't material. speak from his heart. He's boring. And this finally was a scripted, written statement. I think it had to be. Um, my takeaway from it, though, and it was interesting. Uh, I, I, I let me see if I could pull it up quickly. But like the last few lines of his statement was, "If there's one thing I'm really proud of this year, was all of the social justice conversations right. I've had with my team, and because right. of all this, and because of the events that happened on the sixth, I, I am not going to move forward. I, I, that's I growth for, for that. I think that he really is. Had yeah. he accepted it, I think he would have. There's no way you're going to get free agents to come to New England. You're right. not going to get right. players to play for you. You're going to have a hard right. time." having players buy into right. your message. Uh, I, I, he had to make this choice and, and it, you know, I'm not going to knock him for it. He made a, a good choice. Well, it's funny. Cause that, that part of the statement kind of got buried for me because the, he started out with the tragic events of last week occurred and the decision has been made not to move forward with the award. Like everything's so passive, the events of last week occurred. No, there was a giant murderous riot in the heart of our government and the decision has been made. no, Robert Kraft made the decision or Gillette made the decision there. The, everything seemed really passive in the first couple sentences, which if you know how Bill, Bill Belichick runs his life right. and his organization, he's not passive in any of this, but this, you're right. This stuff towards the end, and I'll, I'll read it word for word. Uh, one of the most rewarding things in my professional career took place in 2020 when through the great leadership within our team, conversations about social justice, equality, and human rights moved to the forefront and became actions. 
continuing those efforts while remaining true to the people, team, and country that I love outweigh the benefits of any individual awards. So there was, you know, there at least was that, but still there wasn't any disavowing of Trump directly or the administration. There was no, these, you know, his, his particular actions and words Uh, were. Joe, Joe, you're over-intellectualizing. For him to stand up to Trump and not accept it, he's now hated. He's now Mike Pence. Hank Bill Belichick will be the next uh, riot. And we've got 20 minutes left. We really should move to sports. But I just want to say that when we talked about the the January 6th last week, there were a lot of things I still wasn't aware of, like the fact that there was a gallows set up for Pence and some of these people had zip ties. He only escaped by 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They had arrived 10 minutes earlier. They would have had pets. And the number of people that were armed and they just let them walk through the Capitol armed and, and I we, and, and zip zip tie handcuffs. What yeah. were what are those for? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And again, we could we could do this, but I now that's fine. Right. When he's antsy to get to sports because there really is a lot. I there's a lot. So let me start with basketball quickly. Just that they've they're having games. Uh, canceled left and right. Yeah, 12, 12 this games. Twelve week. this week. There was one, one before Sunday, and twelve since you since the three of us so, last. You know, and so they're they're tightening down, um, and the players are taking it serious. And the NBA did something really smart: is they only put up the first half of the schedule, so they can hopefully, yeah. if things get under control, they can really finish a, a season kind of evenly in the number of games played. How do you, how do you guys feel about James Harden joining the circus in Brooklyn? You know That's, how I feel. I well, I, I know if Matt, let me say how you feel. I think <laughs> um, you know. I think because we've had this conversation a lot. I think you dislike that players decide they're going to go and play for a super team, and and that they run the show sort of, especially when they have a contract for several years for a lot of money. Is that? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I find, I don't know. Where's, uh, I'm, I sound like a, a, an, a grumpy old man, but well, I okay. want to see. I, I like seeing athletes. Um, I even his comments in his last press cut were just not good enough. Well, then play better, James Harden. I don't no, know. No, I, no, 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 no. He was. See, that part I actually admire. Yeah, that team's so terrible. Did, they are. The Rockets are terrible as Right, and constituted. so he's been there 10 years. Now, maybe, and, and he's had, and the Rockets have gone all out to give him all these stars. Mm-hmm. And so you can make a valid criticism that even though he's an elite scorer, an elite player, and thinks he's an elite player, he's not a winner at this point. But he's not LeBron James for sure. Um but um, but that's but so, see, my that's my point, Daryl. You're right. He's not a winner, and he he's like, well, it's it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. I'm not a winner. I haven't been with good enough players yet, and I just right. I hate that attitude. And so it's not okay. But, but think, think about it from Harden's point of view. He's been in the league ten years with this team, and you know they they came close, but they never really won anything. And now the team's been sort of dismantled. So he would, I can sort of sympathize with him he's only got a couple years left he wants to be in a winning he wants to be on a team that has a chance to win he's he's on it i guess i don't i don't know 
He's on it. And I, you know, who knows if that's going to be a good team. Three ball hogs. I mean, you know, they can pass. Well, here's a supreme talent. I, I know we, we're all, we all have such short memories, but before, you know, four or five, six. What did you just say, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> you know, until four or five, six years ago, James Harden was a different player. And he was that sort of background. You know, when he played with Durant and Westbrook in Oklahoma City, he was the clear number three. And he even came off right. the bench for a good portion of that. So I think, yeah. I think actually, you know, game-wise, he and Durant, I don't know how you stop the pick and roll which is 90% of the NBA offense now with either of those two handling the ball. So what I think, and with, we still don't know if Kyrie Irving's coming back to the team. Now he's out, you know, he, he took his sort of unannounced leave of absence and just, I think he's going to play uh, today. Well, no, he's, he's got, he's got, he's, no, he's, he's got to sit out for COVID because yeah. yeah. he, no, had, I thought, but I thought it ended today, but anyway, no, he can play, he can play I starting tomorrow. I think, well, we'll see, but they, they may be better off moving <laughs> him at this point because I still don't, I still don't think that team is sort of, fully outfitted like they they have one player Durant's the only player who can play defense which means he's on LeBron James for 32 minutes a game he's on Giannis for 32 minutes a game and I don't think you can wear him out so I'm I'm curious to see there's there's another move or two in there I think for the Nets but everyone's talking like they are you know the 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 runaway favorite in the East. Well, they're not. Yeah, right. I mean, they still got to perform, but they have three supreme scores. Well, and that is pretty amazing. And say what okay, you so want they, about offensively, they're not going to have any problems. And Matt, say what you want about you know the way Harden plays. This is going to be the most entertaining team in the last twenty years on and off the court. Like these are you've got some some, <laughs> some wild personalities. You've got games that like I agree they don't the three of their games don't. Don't really mesh, but those are three really, really, really. Tough. But they, but they can pass. Um, Harden gets It'll a lot of assists. I'll give you that. I mean, it, you know, you know how HBO does their hard knocks. Um, you know, this would be the team that Hollywood would want to follow, without yeah. a doubt. I mean, with all the on and off the field issues that will go on, and and uh, I just. You guys, I don't know. I'm a grumpy old man when it comes to this. <laughs> but is, is, that, is, that why but we, the, is that why we watch sports, though, for the fun of it, just for the sheer entertainment right. value? Well, that's, not, that's yeah. what it used to be. But, I, I, Joe, I was so struck by your comment last week when I asked, who's going to win, Alabama or Ohio State? And you said, who cares? And, and then the day came. I didn't watch one play yeah. and I really, I barely read about it afterwards. I really didn't care, but that really struck me. Here it is the national championship, you know, an undefeated Alabama team. And, and, and I had no interest in it. Yeah. Well, and part of that, part of that response came from the circumstances we're in right now, but part of it comes to from, and maybe this is something we should talk about as a part of the show, because I, the, 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 the tendency for every sports show to involve who's going to win this round of what, who's going to do this. It, it seems, I, I don't know when that started, but it's part of every damn sports show. And it seems to me it's kind of useless, especially for the three of us, because Matt is always going to pick the top two seeds. I'm going to pick, so I'm going to do something <laughs> weird just to have something right. interesting. And to I say. picked the Titans. 
Daryl, you pick your home, you pick your home team 80% of the time. So no 90, (laughs) but you know, like, and I think too, like, you know, it's, it's just a game to play and we don't, it's not like we call Uh, back. We're losing you a little bit. Oh, okay. It's not like, um, it's not like we ever call back to it either too. It's not like we ever go back to it and say, well, Hey, I get one point for basketball. You get two points for (laughs) hockey. So I don't know, maybe we can find a more creative way to do such things. You guys want to discuss the, um, NFL playoffs, the old quarterbacks versus the young quarterbacks. I watched Anything football. Here that you want to talk about? I watched more NFL, more of the last week's games that I've watched the entire season so far. And there and were, they were some pretty good games. There, there were some the really good games. What yeah. I mean, Cle- the Cleveland Pittsburgh thing. And again, we, you know, we all like to talk about. Oh, Car- wasn't that delightful? Oh you know, yeah. I like to talk about karma for Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> and let me throw something, let me throw something way that may sound preposterous to you guys, but go back and watch this game and Tell me how you feel. I, if Ben Roethlisberger was trying to demonstrate to me that he was throwing money, throwing the game for gambling purposes, he could not have done a better job in the first 12 minutes of that game. He, that, that first play, he stood there and watched Cleveland fall on the ball for a touchdown. Didn't do a thing. Had plenty of opportunities to kick it out the back of the end zone. He's supposed to be one of the smartest players, smartest quarterbacks in the league. He was the dumbest quarterback in the league on that play. And some of those interceptions he threw were just – i he's either completely bad. finished as a quarterback or he was trying to throw that game. I, I, hope, he's not, I hope he's not back next year. I, I think Pittsburgh even, – even though – didn't they win their first 11 games or something? Yeah. 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 The yeah way, I, think uh, I think Tomlin might be in trouble. I hope Roethlisberger's done, and there might be big changes in the Steelers. Tomlin, in my opinion, is, is one of the more overrated coaches in the NFL. Oh, um, ooh, ooh. We, we disagree there, but go, how, go, go on. How oh, we, we could finish with this. So I think he's overrated. Um, and the way Ben Roethlisberger ended this year, he was a, he's an old man. He started the year five. I mean, that's, that's sort of, the, the point of playoffs and, and crowning a winner, it, it's the war of attrition. Who's going to survive? Who's going to stay healthy? Who could grind through? And, and that's the thing about age. And the funny thing about the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, the Saints today is how old Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees are in the world of, of professional sports, um, that their bodies are still able to do it. Ben Roethlisberger's body was not able to, to finish the season. I'd be surprised if he comes back next year. Um, But uh, that's the thing with athletes is, you know, they don't know when to call it. They don't know, you know, do you guys remember Willie Mays at the end of his career? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I was around for that. Yeah. Sad and pathetic. The greatest player ever. It was sad and pathetic. I, it's funny, a few years after his career ended, we saw him play in an old-timers game in Yankee Stadium, and he made a, this running, diving, rolling catch in center field. It was, I mean, at that point, he wow. was 50 years old. But, Matt, I really got to disagree with you. I don't, I don't think Tomlin's anywhere near close to done. I mean, he's in his 17th, 14th season. But yeah, but he's I never... think that Pittsburgh, I, I agree with Matt. I think he's, the, I, do, I do concede that he's had a consistently good record. And he, his teams honestly have overperformed. He's never right been, now. He, he's never been lower than five hundred. He's only finished. Right. He's and only that's, fi- he that's like f- in Belichick territory. The last but at the same same time, the um, this year 
I wouldn't be surprised if they dump him. Well, if they dump him, the smart argument because I'll come back. If they dump him and I own an NFL team, I am firing my coach the next day and hiring this guy. He 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 may be he's definitely one of the five best coaches in the league. He may be the best still. I mean, you don't have that sort of sustained excellence in the NFL without knowing how to do something really right. And I think the 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 X's and O's part of it isn't even so much a part of the head coach's job anymore. The coach is a, he's a player manager and he's a staff manager. And he, this guy has, you can't talk to anyone in the league about Mike Tomlin without them going on and on and on about his character, his work ethic. I I don't think there's a better choice. I'm, I'm literally, uh, he may be my number one. If I, if I could choose from any of the coaches or coaching candidates, to run my team, he he may very well be number one, and that includes your guy, Daryl. I I know I know um, you're going to want to put Belichick. Uh, well, there. Belichick had a horrible year. Well, um, hold on, hold on, Daryl. Let me go back to this Tomlin stuff. So, I he I, I agree with you. I actually I think Tomlin is a stand-up character. He he does his best to manage guys, but let's think about some of the teams that he's had before, and, and he hasn't been able to to win with. You had Ben Roethlisberger for his whole career in his prime with the best running back in the league and the best wide receiver in the league. Zero good defense. And Troy Palomalu, dominating defense. So, yeah, he wins a lot of games. They, the Steelers have great, a great roster. They always put together a good team, but it always falls short. Always falls short. The goal is not – now, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you just want to be above 500 and, and maybe get in the playoffs, you know, like that's what the Bengals want to do, I think Mike Tomlin is your guy. He is a, he is a stand-up character guy. He works hard. He, he does things the right way. But for some reason, he's got one championship to show for it. Was that his first or second year? I don't remember. This is his second year in the league. He's had fantastic teams and he has, they've always choked in the playoffs. I don't think you can say he's lost four times in the playoffs to a team that eventually won the Super Bowl. And I don't think you right. can, you can't call that choking. You can call right. that being the second best team in the league. A lot of those years, I think well, you're, and, and you're, also, you're really, you, you're really short selling a guy. I'll get, give you a second and say right. in a minute, Daryl, you're short selling a guy who's won two thirds of his games in the NFL, which is preposterously difficult to do. So I think. Um, right. And, and right. And so that, but let's move on from him just because there, there are a few other things we should talk about. Uh, you know, we may need to um, bring our uh, UMass uh, consultant Margo back in a couple of weeks. UMass has got some potential. Now, again, I'm a true believer and I, every year I feel they have some potential, but uh, I've watched a little bit of some of their games and they have a lot of players. They have a lot of freshmen and, you know, it's a, a very interesting team in a really deep A-10, but who knows? Who knows how many games they're going to play? Um, also, the UMass women's team is actually very, very good this year. Well, let's if you want to if you want to make some predictions. Let's. Would, do you think there's that either of the basketball seasons will be completed? Uh, actually, Whoa. any of the three men's, women's, or or professional. Um, professional, yeah, it's gonna have it's gonna have to be right. Professional's gonna professional, have to. yes. 
Um, I mean, although basketball is is having a tough time, if it got worse than this, then it might if there, there might be problems. No, I, I, I mean, I don't know if it'll be uh, if they won't have to take a break or something. But I, I, I the NBA will absolutely have a. I didn't think the NFL was going to get through everything, and they are. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, college football. We we can we we've been very critical, understandable of the NCAA, but you know they got through their season. So I think to say that these they these seasons won't finish, there it won't look like it normally does in the past. But there will be a 2021 NBA champion. There will be a national championship, men and women's basketball. It might look a lot different. There might have to be a break, but they're going to they're gonna push through and they'll find a way. I, I don't see how the NBA can continue losing 12 games a week at some point. Right, but I mean, I think they're trying to react. They're, they're tightening things down and they're, they're doing serious. A lot of these players that are missing, are, they don't have COVID. They, they've just, it's contact tracing. Contact. So they're, they're going really into it. I think, I think that the players are, are getting how that they've been a little careless up until now. And so I don't know, I think that's gonna finish, but you know, for one thing, Matt, and you're sort of closer to this is high school sports. Think about them because for, for a while, it looked like there might be another season and uh, basketball in basketball, they were going to have to, the players were going to have to wear their mask all game, which think about it. That would be hard. It would be really hard because you get really winded. I, and I really, I, of all the groups that are complaining about not being able to live their lives as they should, I feel worst, I think for high school athletes, because you don't have, those are moments that you can't get back. And those kids aren't going to go on, you know, we had six people for my high school football team that played college football. And so that's, that's it. And that's your chance to bond with your friends. And that's, that is who I feel worse for. Joe, I agree with you. I mean, and I'm one of those kids. I, I, I did one year of, college athletics with my and then I I messed up my knee again but for so many the 98 percent of all high school athletes that's the pinnacle of their athletic lives and I I totally agree with you um it, it is a shame it is sad you know if you're a college athlete the NCAA is granting you another year of eligibility if you want it, you know, you you can't really do that unless you want to do 10th grade twice. And that's like, if you're in high school, man, that's it. And and even if you're not a senior, I mean, I can, there's so many memories, my four years of high school, there's so many memories of when I was, you know, playing freshman ball, playing JV, making it to varsity, you know, track meets and, and there's so many good memories and and it is extremely unfortunate that these and, uh, you know matt i agree and, and, and like in my case it wasn't necessarily good memories i played junior varsity basketball as a freshman as a sophomore and as a junior <laughs> so so like that wasn't necessarily a good memory except i had a lifetime of playing basketball and loved it well it's so, not, not just necessarily the athletes too it's the kids in in the play and in choir and in the marching band and the right, cheerleaders right. like they're all they're all losing out on their their group activities and that's that's the stuff i remember and that's those are the friends i still have from from that long ago too are the the guys that i played football with and the people no, I and, play with. you know what yeah. right i think we can generalize the high school experience right now is really, really, really bad. 
in, in many ways, way worse than the elementary because they just have no social contact. Well, and well, and that's why they're saying, I know this is probably the last word is that the, the, the argument is there that kids should be in school. They're safer in school because high school kids are, what they're doing is going out and they're hanging together without masks on anyway. Um, and if they're in school, they're following the procedures and protocols in place. Back in my day, we never wore masks. <laughs> so listen, in closing, let me just say one thing. Masks are not a political issue. Thank you. So thanks a lot for listening to Baker and Big D and, and Joe. Sports and Plus. We'll see Sports Plus next week. And, you know, you really struck me, whichever one of you said that we're not really shouldn't be in the predicting thing or complaining, because I was listening to Pardon the Interruption, which I kind of like. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, he was asked, the, the old guy was asked to predict something. And he like spewed off 10 statistics about some, you know, basketball team that I had no clue about. Um, I think when they were talking about Gonzaga, if they're going to go undefeated and, you know, and, and it was just like, I kind of realized, yeah, okay. So I think I know a lot about sports. I knew nothing about what that guy was talking well, he, about. Tony, Tony, Tony Kornheiser has an army of producers to, right. writing that he stuff had up. Legal pad. He yeah. was reading that. Yeah, but still, yeah, we don't exactly have that. So I think it's good that we're not predicting. <laughs> do, do, do we want to get some interns? You want to get some? Get some? <laughs> we didn't even we didn't talk about Kyrie. We didn't talk about Justin Thomas. Mike Milbury's out at NBC. I we do we we talked a little bit about Kyrie. Yeah, you, you got yeah, you got more. And there's on nothing Kyrie. really to say about him right now because you don't know why he's not there. Well, I, I mean, I think we know why he's not there. I think he's... I oh, why? He's, you don't know why. Well, I think he's terrified by what's happening in the... Con I think he was pretty clear about that part of it, yeah. Oh, so you think that you think that's what it is, that he's... Um, oh, it's totally non-basketball related, yeah, yeah. It's COVID. No, no, it's it's the riots the in the Capitol. Oh, it's, okay. It's that I think nonsense. He's a yeah. very emotional guy, right? Um, yeah. He wears yeah. his emotions on his sleeve, and uh, I think he was deeply affected... Um, being troubled by what's going on. Um, yeah. And that, that's a guy that continues to surprise me in all sorts of different ways. Like I, he's not really the, the guy I would expect to be the canary in the coal mine for that, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud that he's doing it. It's, it's but I, I, I don't want this to come across as insensitive, um, <laughs> but what Which is means he it probably will. He's, he's, he's taking a lead. He's not, doing anything he, he's he's doing what he has to do to preserve his mental health for right now and that's that's the credit i'm giving him not for any not for any you know accomplishment outside of that it's not i'm not judging it as a social act i'm just saying purely as a Fair. decision for kyrie irving the man i i respect what he's doing and yes i actually totally agree i i i think if you've got to do what you've got to do i think too often like and this was the whole kevin love thing um, when he was dealing with his mental anxiety and, and, and his, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, we look at the athletes, right. As these, uh, machines and they're just supposed to push through and, and look, he's, he needs to do what he's got to do. Um, and so I'm, I'm with you there. I gotcha. Yeah. And I think with the, this particularly the NBA does a pretty good job of respecting the mental health needs of its players. That, that's been the, really the only league where a significant number of players have come forward and said, 
I'm being treated for depression or anxiety. And you hear players talk about it openly all the time, even, even players like, you know, and that's sort of my complaint with football and and baseball. Those players aren't politically speaking out ever. Well, baseball, the, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but so many of the baseball players are conservative rural Americans. The rest of them, a lot of the rest of them are Latinos who come from cultures where it's not necessarily permitted, let alone encouraged to speak out. Even if you're a, even if you're not a multimillion dollar baseball so, player, I think. I can't believe you two Yankee fans. You didn't mention LeMahieu and Kluber. That, that was, that's two, what I told two you. Two great moves. The one thing I'm at Kluber and I missed too, Yogi Bear is getting a stamp. One of my, my no way, that's awesome. One of my all time, Yogi Bear was so much my favorite Yankee growing up that I named. We, we should I, we should have a Yogi Bear quote um, every week. Uh, nice, so. I, I I can <laughs> I got these a, are classics. I have books of them. I named my dog. My last dog so, was named. So just pick one oh. every week. My, It'll be the uh, title of the show. Okay, cool. My my last dog was named Yogi after Yogi Bear. Oh, I was, yeah, I remember Yogi. I, I knew that's what that was yeah. when you were in Western Mass, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got him. It was Yogi, yeah. Yeah, I um, I got him when I was in North Carolina. I uh, I was a catcher in Little League, and I wore number eight because of Yogi nice. Berra. My my first Yankee uh, jersey. I can never understand catchers. It is like I think it's pretty much the worst. Maybe defensive lineman is is worse, but the, you know, for a terrible job. There it's was a terrible job. So my my three positions in football, basketball, and and baseball were center catcher and i pitched and um in basketball i was a point guard i think i just am a control freak and i have to have the ball in my hands i think the <laughs> I, if the game the game cannot proceed until i have touched the ball i think that's how i feel about things catcher is um, a tough position that's it, a tough position yeah. it was and my knees are still creaky that's, from from all that yeah. and i you know got hit in the nuts more times than i care to admit and <laughs> Uh, well, good show as always, fellas. I got to get going and get some stuff done around the house. So, all right, sounds good. This weekend, Daryl, you do some. Uh, you relax today. You take it easy. I am gonna let the blood pressure come down a little bit. See you guys next week. <laughs>